I want to just do a quick introduction because some of you may or may not know who I am, but my name is Joel Zare. Um, yeah, <laughs> my wife is Rebecca Zare, Mrs. Zare. She teaches at the middle school, she's a sixth grade teacher, so some of you may know who she is. Um, and she says hi when I left here. She said make sure uh, to tell her students hi. So any of you guys have Mrs. Zare, like right now you guys are in her class, yeah? All right, so there's some of you, cool. How many, some of you may not be from Eureka too, so you may not have had her. I also am a teacher. I teach high school students. I teach math, that's right, yeah. And I coach cross-country, that's right. So one plus one is two. So um, I, get the, I get the pleasure of working with kids not too much older than you guys uh, on a daily basis. And um, I just want to start off by saying, and I also uh, get the opportunity, I teach back here for Sun Chasers. Some of you guys were in Sun Chasers uh, just a couple of years ago, and like that's, this is, you guys were back here, maybe in the fourth grade class, kind of sit in the back where these, you guys are all sitting, yeah. So um, I've had a lot of opportunities to, to, um, to talk with kids, and I'm really excited to meet with you guys. Uh, the last time I was back here with you guys was back in January, about a year ago. So it's been about a year since then. It was a really dark night like this, there was snow all over the ground. Um, and Pastor John was gone, so like we were locked out for the very beginning. But I'm excited to be back with you guys. And I don't have slides too, so I do want to tell you, if you've got your Bible, or if you've got your phone where you can open up the Bible, go ahead and let's go ahead and do that here. Um, and then we're going to be in the book of James today. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But I would like to, to pray for you guys first. I, I'd like to take that opportunity. Um, I really enjoyed hearing you guys singing about... Um, Things like centering your life on Christ and just um, how your salvation is secure in Jesus. And it's, it's really neat to, to hear you guys. How many of you guys are, we have any 11-year-olds in here? 11? 12? 13? You guys are 14-year-olds? You got some of you guys? Yeah? All right. Back there. All right. And I don't care if you're one of the youngest ones here or, like me, one of the oldest ones here. Um, We've all got something to learn tonight, so I'm excited to, to kind of dig into James with you guys. So let me take an opportunity to pray for you guys, and then we'll get started. Dearly Father, we just uh, want to thank you for this opportunity to come together tonight, to open your word, uh, to read from it, to learn from it, to hear what you have to say to us from your word. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to gather with other believers and um, just spend time uh, lifting you up in praise, uh, enjoying each other's company and fellowship, and um, the opportunity uh, to be together. Just uh, want to pray for these students, Lord, as, as we uh, gather here tonight and as we um, scatter out the rest of this week, Lord, that you would uh, be the center of their lives, that you would um, be where they fix their eyes during the course of this coming week. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. So if you guys can find James chapter 2. Now, I was like out of the state last weekend, so I wasn't able to be here with you. But I have a couple questions because I want to know from those of you who were here last week, did uh, Pastor John show you guys a video that did an overview of the book of James? I know he had talked about possibly doing that. Did you guys see a video at all from the Bible Project? Or did you not? Does any, do any of you guys know that from last week? Were any of you? Yes, no? Okay. No one knows? You weren't here. Okay. Well, there is this really cool uh, video. If you guys get a chance this week, it's the Bible Projects video. And it just kind of gives you an overview of the book of James. And you guys spent time going through the first chapter in the book of James. And um, 
there's this, this line that the narrator to the video says uh, at the end that James is a beautiful punch in the gut. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been punched in the gut before. It's hard to view that as a beautiful thing. But there's, there's a lot of truth uh, in this book of James. And we're going to dig into um, one idea today. And the, the idea that we're going to try and tackle is this idea that revolves around the word of favoritism. Have you guys ever heard that word favoritism before? You know, it assumes so. And so there are a few things I want to kind of start with tonight uh, before we kind of get rolling is uh, things that I wrote down when I first read through this scripture. So we're going to be in James chapter 2. So if you guys can find James chapter 2, uh, we're going to talk about favoritism. Some uh, versions you might see the word partiality. Uh, but there are some things uh, about favoritism. And um, the first question I wrote down is, why is favoritism wrong? And I, so I wrote down some things after reading through the scripture. And I want you to kind of think through these. I'm going to come back to these over the course of the time we're together tonight. And the first thing I wrote down is it's inconsistent with Christ's teaching. Um, I, I've been a follower of Jesus now for, for most of my life. And then the more and more I read from the Bible, the more and more I realize and see this, this is inconsistent with Christ's teaching. Uh, it's a result from evil thoughts. We're actually going to hear those words in the scripture tonight. Um, it insults people made in God's image. That, that was one I wrote down um, probably a couple weeks ago. And uh, as I was getting started for a new semester in school, uh, I've got some kids in class that can drive me up a wall. I don't know if any of you guys drive your teachers nuts. Any of you guys that ever, you know, you've bothered your teacher? Yeah? Any of you had any, any teachers who kind of drove you nuts? Other way around? Yeah. So it happens both ways, right? But the thing that I'm continually reminded about is I don't care if it's a student that does everything that I ask them to do um, and I never have problems with it. If it's a student who uh, knows how to get under my skin and can push my buttons, or if it's a student who's really loud in class and likes to talk all the time, or it's that one student in the back corner of the room that's quiet and for the entire semester won't ever say a word, I know that they're made in God's image, um, just like I am. And as I'm reading through this, um, this passage on um, partiality, that was one of the things that I kept coming back to. Um, another one that I have written down here, it's a byproduct of selfish motives. And I don't know about you, um, but I, I can get pretty selfish from time to time. And so that's one of the things that I wrote down here. Um, it goes against the biblical definition of love. It shows a lack of mercy to those less fortunate. And we're going to talk about the word mercy a little bit tonight. It's hypocritical. And the last one I wrote down, it's sin. And so that's one of the things we're going to kind of see here tonight. You guys see that kind of just fall there? So um, I'm going to read to you guys uh, through the scripture tonight. We're going to do this in little pieces and chunks. And so if you guys are uh, in James chapter 2, it's the first verse. The first verse is one that I spent some time over the last couple weeks committing to memory. And there's this really cool thing that happened is, as I read it over and over again um, and kind of looked into some of the definitions of some of the words here, uh, there, there's a part of it that really is what I want to impress upon you guys tonight. Right? And so verse 1, and this is uh, from the ESV, if you're reading a different version, it might be read a little differently, but it says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Right? And that's the verse that reading over and over again, it was those last few words um, that continued to stick out to me was this idea of the Lord of glory. And I don't know about you guys, but there are some people that, um, I was talking to my father-in-law. Um, I don't think any of you guys have any father-in-laws yet, do you? No, probably not. Yeah. 
Well, I was talking to him, and he actually did a, kind of a blog series on the book of James a year ago, and we were talking about this for a while, and he was talking about how we all naturally have some people that we are partial to or, or think of as our favorites. I, I tell you, my wife and my kids are probably some of the people that if I'm going to pick to be around people, it's, it's probably going to be them. I don't know, if, how many of you guys have some people that are your favorites, maybe some friends that you're closer to than others, Right? All right, so you guys, you guys all do, except for Mason. Mason doesn't. Mason loves everyone equally. No? Okay. Yeah? No. <laughs> no. We've all got people that we, um, we have closer relationships with, um, and, and that's kind of hardwired into us. I think I'm naturally um, wanting to protect my children. You guys know who my boys are? Do you remember from last time? Asher and? Starts with an E and ends with a lie. Eli, there you go, all right? So that didn't give it away. But I'm kind of partial to them. Um, and we have some natural favoritism that kind of is built into to us because of that. Uh, but this particular verse is talking about showing partiality um, kind of in a different way. And as I looked up that word uh, and what it means uh, in its original language, it, it was uh, this, this phrase, respecter of persons, came up. Uh, where you are showing... Um, that you look at people uh, with differing views, right? That we're not seeing them as equals. And um, it's something, as, as I've grown up, I realize it's like that's something I need to take away from what I do on a daily basis. But how, right? How do we, how do, we do this? How do we look at people um, and not see them as different? And as I read through that rest of that first verse, and I get to that very end, uh, it says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And it's that part, okay? It's that little part that, that I latched on to the past couple weeks is this idea of the Lord of glory. Uh, and I, as I kind of that mold that phrase over in my head, this idea of, of a glorious Lord, um, you bathe in light, something, I, there's parts in the Old Testament, if you would see God in his full glory, you'd be dead just like that, right? And we can't even behold it in our human form. And I started to think about, what if I'm sitting there right next between Psy, all right, and Man, see, I don't, is it Derek or, which one are you? Dylan, you're Dylan, okay, all right. See, what, is there a, what is the difference on your, is there something I can tell, tell? One's wearing, okay, Captain America, and then we got the gray, all right. I've known them for years, and I still can't tell them apart. Then we're all good, perfect, I'll go with that. Okay. So if I'm sitting right there between you guys, right? And someone walked in. Who's someone famous that you guys know? Because if I pick a name, it's going to be someone from too long ago. Who's someone famous? What? Mello? All right, Carmelo? Okay, Mello Ball. All right, all right. So like the Ball family walks in here. How would you guys react to that? What would be your reaction right there? The, the, the Ball family walks in. Mason, Mason, how would you react? The Ball family comes in here, walking right in to Crossbone Community Church, sits down next to you. What do you do? Yeah. So, so here's the thing, which, it, which is, Mason said he'd be freaking out, right? There, there would be like this, oh my goodness, there, look who's here, right? I bet we all have somebody in our life that would, that would be that person, right? They'd walk in and be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're sitting right here next to me. It, it, it may be different for each and every one of us. Maybe it's not just the ball fan, but if they walk in here, Mason's go, oh, and they sit down next to him, right? Here's the thing. 
And this is the thing I keep mulling over my head because for me, there's people like that too. They'd walk in the room, I'd be in awe of them. Look who showed up, right? Maybe the ball fan. I'd probably be that way too if they showed up. What are they doing here in the middle of Illinois? Right? But the thing I keep coming back to is those last few words in that first verse, okay? And as we go through the rest of the scripture, I want this to be the idea that you guys have in your head. I want this to be the thing when you walk out of here tonight that you guys are thinking about, right? I don't care who walks in that door and sits down next to us, right? If we are a people, if we are people who believe in Jesus Christ, if we call ourselves followers of Christ, if, I don't care if Lonzo Ball, Mellow Ball, and the whole ball family, they're all sitting around you right there, right? If for some, if, if Jesus came in in that same instance, and for some reason we were able to see him in all his glory, I, I think that would be where our attention would be drawn. And all of a sudden, these big differences that we put up just because we're, we're human, right? <sighs> Gone, right? In that moment, I don't care who's sitting around you. I don't care if they're your best friend, if they're the person that you idolize. I don't care who it is. That, those, those playing fields are leveled. Okay? And as we read more into this scripture in James, I want you to keep in mind that if we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, okay, that sin of partiality of favoritism is something that's going to continue to dwindle as we are conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so that's what I want you, I'm going to come back to the very end, but that's what I want you to kind of be thinking of. Ah, that's interesting. Okay, can we handle, can we handle that kind of the end to talk about that in terms of idea? Um, I, I don't think, yeah, we can probably get through that without showing some type of phase. There's a, there's a bigger general sense here, but that's a really cool thing. Um, that's one of the things. I hope we have some time to just kind of sit and just talk too. So, Sai, can you hang on that for a little bit? And we'll, I love that. Awesome. All right. So, um, this idea that partiality is a respecter of persons, um, because of who you're around every time, doesn't, doesn't I don't think, necessitate showing that you are uh, showing favoritism in that way. And that's, let's read here and kind of, there's some context that James talks, James talks about, about uh, where showing favoritism is a sin versus that idea of, like I said, my, my own children are probably people that I'm going to protect, right? That, that's an innate sense in me. But when that becomes uh, the idea that we are uh, holding others above ourselves, above each other, that's when that becomes a sin. And that's one of the things we're going to see happen here in this next part of the scripture. And so if you guys take a look, the next part, verses 2 through 4, uh, James gives this example of uh, what's happening. Because right now, he's, he's speaking to people who are, are scattered about, these Christians are scattered about, they are uh, often, uh, at times, people without a lot of means. Uh, they, they may be poor because uh, they've always been poor and they've come to faith in Christ. They may be people who have lost a lot of things because of their allegiance to Jesus. Uh, and so he gives this example of an assembly, or uh, it could be a church service, uh, that they're having a gathering of believers. In verse 2 through 4, it says, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing, and you guys have any rings on? You wear rings? I've got my wedding ring, but I don't wear any gold rings. What do you think, what do you think that gold ring symbolizes for this man that walks in in gold, gold ring, fine clothing? What do you think? Wealth, right? He's rich. Right? He's got money. He's got means. Right? 
So if a man wearing gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and so what do you think James is doing here? He's got this wealthy man with the gold rings, which is a symbol of his wealth, fine clothing, man in shabby clothing. What's he trying to create here? What's he showing you? These two different people, these equal in the eyes of the world, do you think? No, probably not. You've got the wealthy man, you've got the, the man in shabby clothing, and a poor man. Okay? And if the poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, stand over there, maybe even have him sit down at your feet, have you not then made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And so this idea of your parents, if you want to kind of go that way of, that's just going to keep doing that, isn't it? Of only being allowed to invite a certain amount of people to a, a gathering you have, I don't think is the idea James is getting at here. Right? I think that that's something that's going to be natural, and that's probably, your parents will probably uh, appreciate me saying that that's okay for them to kind of limit how many people you're going to have at your house. Now, how you're going to decide that is something that we can talk about later. But in this case, um, James isn't talking about um, inviting people to his house. He's talking about these people are coming into this gathering of believers, and all of a sudden um, they've said, you know what, this person who's wealthy, who's got a lot of means, uh, is a person that I'm going to put in a place of, of honor. And then the person who doesn't have anything, he'll sit off the side here. Right? Yeah, son? That could be one aspect of it. Um, that could be one aspect of it. We can see uh, favoritism, partiality in, in places all throughout, um, throughout human history. Um, as, as we're reading here, and it happens to you guys on a daily basis, that can look different. Um, in a lot of different places. But it is something that we, we see because it's part of us being human. Uh, it's, it's something that we're going to be drawn towards doing uh, because of our sinful nature. And so I wrote down a couple of things here. Is The first thing is, um, I, as I was preparing this, one of the things I think about is, is I have moments of that. I have moments where I'm, I'm being um, partial to one person over another. And not so much that, uh, I guess, if, if we were picking basketball teams, right, you might have some people who are more skilled at basketball, you know, on your team. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm dealing with this idea of, I look at someone, and maybe I look at that rich person, and I think, you know what, I, I can get something from them, right? I, I can get something from them. They're rich. Maybe I want some of their time or them to spend time with me so I look better. Maybe I, they give me some money. I want, I want, I want, I can get something from that person. The poor person, I can't get anything from them. And so as I was going through this, sorry, I'm going to get loud and I have to make sure I don't do that because the last time I yelled quite a bit. But one of the things I went back to was, was Psalms 23. Uh, that was one area I was drawn to as, as, as I was reading this. Yeah, if you guys want to find Psalms 23, the very first verse in Psalms 23 was something that I was reading this kept coming back to. And it's not up here yet, but it, besides you're asking questions, make me thinking about this. It's this idea, um, the Psalm of David says, the Lord is my shepherd, What's the next part? I shall not want. Okay? And so, going back to that first verse a little bit, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we become this type of respecter of persons, we see the wealthy person, you go, oh, I get something from them. Right? I have to pause and think for a minute, where is my want coming from? Why do I need something from that person? Why do I want something from that person? If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If I'm filled with joy and I'm filled because of my allegiance to Jesus, I don't want anything from anybody. 
I, if I, for one moment, I would love this opportunity to see people through the eyes of God, I wouldn't see those differences. Wealthy, poor, those things would not matter because my worth and their worth is found in, in Christ. I, I would only want for them to know Jesus. And so this isn't about necessarily picking teams for a sport or picking some people to come over to a house, but how we view people as a whole. It's really this idea of how do we view people. And so the problem James is saying here is in this assembly, there are people that are viewing those rich people as worth more than the ones who are poor. And that's what he's really he's pushing back against here right now. Um, and there's, there's, this, there's this contradiction between are, are we followers of Jesus Christ and do we see people as he sees them? Or are we just like the world? Right? Do we see people as better or worse than others? And in this case, there's this instance they're talking about money. And I don't care if it's, if it's 2,000 years ago or if it's 2019, right? That's something that's still very true. We see people who have a lot more as maybe being worth more and people who don't as, as not as important. Right? So I want you to follow along. We're going to go on to just the next part. There's a couple of the verses that kind of uh, continue on with this story. And so most of the people that James is speaking to probably didn't have a lot of means. Um, and so they may be looking at these people that have a lot and going, okay, what can I get from them? Why, why are they holding them up is more important. And so in verse 5, he goes on to say, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who loved him? I was reading this, um, and I grew up in Indiana. I've lived in central Illinois here for the last 10 years. What's that? Which, yeah, a big change from cornfields to more cornfields. Uh, but I, I've had some opportunities in my life uh, to head down. I, I got to go on a missions trip when I was not much older than you guys uh, down to an, uh, an Indian reservation. And I got to spend a week doing some construction work. Um, every single bus that we had broke down. We ended up having to find some churches down there to help get us back home until our church bus, another church bus could meet us. It was a really, uh, really, really fun week. But having been 20 years ago, I look back on that experience, and, and I, there's some things that I think of, and one of them is, is I can still picture some of those little kids' faces. I was actually watching some, some video um, and saw some pictures of it when I was at my parents over Christmas. And, and these, these little kids, um, I look at them, and, and they didn't have a lot. Uh, we brought a lot of things with us uh, to kind of to give them. We got to spend time with them, which was, I think, one of the coolest things of this experience was getting to spend time with them. And the joy that these kids had um, was infectious. I, there was one little boy that I think I carried on my back for a couple hours, just, just hanging out with him. And, and I thought, you know, I was, I was 15 at the time. Um, and there, there were things in my life that were making me unhappy or things that I thought were important that, that I got all worked up about. Um, but taking some time to slow down and see these kids that, that didn't have a lot but had the joy, joy of Christ in them was, was important to me. And as I look back 20 years from from removed from that experience. I still think about that. And so as I read this verse, that was my mind was kind of drawn back to the idea that um, God's got a special place for those people who, who maybe are marginalized. Uh, if you guys, how many were here last week? Were you guys here last week? There's a few. Okay. So I was listening to, to uh, the podcast from John last week, and towards the end, you guys read at the very end of James chapter 1, uh, a, a couple of things. And I want to go back to that for just a moment. So if you guys can go to James chapter 1. Uh, these are verses 26 through 27. It says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts 
as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That part of it was something then that, that really hit me because God's looking after the marginalized. God's looking after the ones that aren't upheld in our society uh, for any reason. And as we go through and read verse 5, I think we hear that same thing. And then what James does is he, he goes into the context of these people right now and he starts to talk about, let's, let's think about the poor and how the poor are treating you, the, his audience in this message. And so verses 6 and 7 say that there's, there's three things that uh, he throws out here. He goes, this is what the rich are doing to you. Why are you holding them up among the people around you? So in verse 6 says, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? He's saying, look, I, why are you holding these rich people? Why are you holding people with means or the important people of the day at an elevated level among the people around you? Why are, why are you treating them as important? How are you any different than the world around you? Right? If you are a follower of the Lord of glory, how are you treat, why are you treating these people different? Right? How are you different from the world? And I want you, and I challenge you to be thinking about that right now. As we're going through this, we're reading about this in context of James' current audience, but you can also be thinking about how does it apply to you tomorrow morning? You guys are going to go back to school. Right? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go back to school. I know that's not your favorite thing to think about, but I want you to consider the fact that one of your jobs at school isn't, isn't just about academics, but it's about you living out your faith to the people around you. Right? One of the things I'm going to th- talk to you guys about is, as I was reading through this, how do I show partiality or favoritism when I'm not even thinking about it? Right? So one thing I think about is on Sunday mornings when I come here to Crosspoint. Right? When I'm in here on Sunday morning, I'm out there in the foyer before church, I'm talking to people. You know who I'm drawn to, who I who tend to go talk to, who's easiest to talk to? What's that? Oh. It's the people I already know. Right? It's, the, it's the people that I know, that I'm friends with. Right? And, and there's people that come in through the doors that, that I don't know. As reading through this scripture, I, I was challenged to, you know what, there are people out there that, um, that just because I know them, don't know them, or maybe someone comes in and looks more important than the person, that, that I shouldn't be a respecter of people. Right? If I see people through the eyes of Jesus, it doesn't matter who it is that walks in. And it's one thing that's challenged me over the past couple weeks as I've been reading and preparing this. And I want you guys to be thinking about that too as you guys walk into the doors of your school tomorrow morning. Right? How are you viewing people? Are you viewing them through the eyes of Christ? Are you viewing through the eyes of the world? So if you go ahead, I want to continue on to uh, the next part here just a little bit if we go into verse 8. Because now James turns his attention away from kind of uh, this idea of showing partiality in the situation kind of individuals to the people that we're talking about. And so these verses, uh, 8 through 10, are ones that I want to read because the, the one that I read that really stuck out to me was verse 10. My son, you guys remember my older son's name? Asher. Asher, okay? Asher had to memorize this verse uh, for one of his classes, and we practiced it over and over again. And you know what's kind of weird? As we practiced it, I didn't think a lot about it, Right? I had it memorized from him because we would go back and forth and practice this verse, but it wasn't until the last couple of weeks that it really started to make me think about, but what does that mean to me personally rather than just a verse to have him memorize? And so for verse 8, it says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. 
And so that first verse is one, that idea of loving your neighbor is one that we hear echoed throughout um, the Old Testament, back in the book of Leviticus, and throughout the New Testament, Jesus repeats that command, this law of love. And if we go back to like the ancient Jewish understanding of this, the neighbor that they're referring to would have been their Jewish neighbor. Right? But here's another question for you guys. Right? Jesus comes and he repeats that same law that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Who is Jesus? Turn to someone around you. Who is Jesus speaking of when he says neighbor? Is it just their Jewish neighbor? Who's Jesus speaking of when he says neighbor? What do you guys think down here? Who's Jesus, who's Jesus thinking of, you guys? Mac, who's Jesus thinking of when he says your neighbor? Is it just the people on either side of you? Just your friends? No? Everyone? Everyone? You're everybody. Eighth grade is back in the back. What do you guys think? Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Everyone. How often, how often do we say that but not actually act on it? Right? You never? Right, so if you don't know someone at all, like you're not going to treat them like you treat yourself, but, right, that, that's fair, right? Because you know yourself just about as well as anyone knows you, right? That's fair, yeah. Um, but I would challenge you to think about, we may, yeah, I agree with that. We're not going to treat everyone exactly like we treat ourselves there in that instance because you don't know them. That, that would be awkward. I think they might be uncomfortable in that instance. Right. But even so, how many times... How many times do we pass someone by in the hallway? How many times do we pass someone by at lunch? Believe it or not, I eat lunch at school every day, just like you guys too. And I think of how many times do I go and just spend time with the people I know and am comfortable with? And how few times I actually spend time with someone I don't know. Someone that I maybe know is having some difficulty. Maybe someone I know that, that is having some challenging times and would need someone just to come and say, hey, I'm, I'm here for you. Just sit down and talk with them a little bit. How often does that actually happen? I say those things, love your neighbors yourself. I talk to my children about that. How often do we actually, actually do that? And, and as I read this over and over again, if I am a follower of Christ, if I see Jesus as, um, as my most important thing in my life, how should I view people in light of that? Do I view people like Jesus views people, or do I view them like the world views them? And so the next part was where um, this, this is, it goes to you guys, and this is where at the beginning I said there's this video for James where they, um, they say at the end, it, it, it's a beautiful punch in the gut. This is the part that as I read through stung a little bit. And there's going to be a lot of parts. You guys are going to be in James the entire semester, right? which I think is a really cool thing for you guys to get to dig in and spend time in the book of James week in and week out. And I encourage you to make sure you're here every week too to do that. But in verses 9 through 11, it says, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And then this is the verse that Asher had to memorize that it wasn't until a couple weeks ago. And oh man, that's, that's rough. It says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become guilty of all of it. And it goes on to say then, for he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. And it challenged me to think about how many times have I ever told a lie, right? Have I ever told a lie? I raise my hand. I've, I've told lies, right? 
How many times have you maybe coveted something that someone else has? You look at that and go, oh, man, I want that thing, right? Done that too, okay? Time and time again, I've sinned. And it doesn't matter if it was just even one time. Even one time, right? I've broken God's law. And so in light of that, when I see other people around me, I, I want to see how does God view me and do I view people in those same eyes or do I view people like the world views them? And we're all guilty of it. Uh, and so just that one more time, whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become guilty of all of it. You better believe I got a chance to talk with Asher about that verse. And my younger son actually has just memorized that one recently. And so he's six, so we talk about it like with a six-year-old. But we talked about this idea that we are all broken, sinful people, only redeemed, right, through Jesus Christ. And so at the end, this is the part where James gets down to looking at you and going, okay, there's something that you guys need to know about this. And this is verse 12 right at the end. And so this is a great way to cap this off at the end. Uh, it says, so speak and so act as those who are be, to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without for judgment without mercy to no one, yeah, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. I'm going to read that again because I stumbled through it. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay. In this part, there may be this temptation. When you guys go out this weekend, if this is something you get to talk about with your parents or talk with your friends, there, there's sometimes this idea that we are the ones who um, can save ourselves, right? There's this part in the first verse that says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. This isn't saying that the way you speak and the way you act are going to save you. I want that to be something you guys hear and, and latch on to, right? The way you speak, the way you act are not what's going to save you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have asked him to forgive you of your sins, if you trust that he came to earth, died on a cross for you, for the world, right? the reason you're going to speak and act as someone who is going to show mercy is because you've been shown mercy. As you read this passage, and I hope you read this again this week and kind of think about the things that are in here, that you think about the idea that if you are a believer in Christ, you have been shown mercy. And if you've been shown mercy by our Lord of glory, that you would in turn show mercy to other people. Right? If when you come to judgment, God shows mercy on you, okay, all the more you should, you should each day be thinking, I, I should reflect that in my daily life. Do I treat people as if I'm seeing through how Jesus views people? Am I treating people like the world treats them? I'm guilty of treating people like the world treats them. I, I do it more often than I like to admit. But as we read through this part of James, and again, I hope this is something you read through this week, that you'll think about, do I view people as Jesus views them? Do I have a vision of God that makes me look at people and go, okay, we're, we're all just people. I don't care if it's the ball family that walks in here. I don't care if it's the youngest one that's in here, the oldest one's in here, okay? the tallest, the shortest, the richest person, uh, the poorest person. Right? God's calling us to be set apart, to be different from the world. Right? And you showing that you view people as Jesus views them is one aspect of that. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. 
Mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay. A couple of things I want to just kind of reiterate. There are a couple of verses I want you to kind of think of. Psalms 23.1 that I saw a couple of you guys look up <clears throat> is one that I was reading this through is one thing I want you to kind of keep in mind. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And if we are finding our value and our worth in Jesus Christ, then our Lord will view people um, more and more like he views them. So what I want to do with you guys here is I want to take a few minutes to pray, and then I want to answer some questions. We want to talk about this. I would love to get down and talk. My favorite thing to do is just have some discussion and, and talk about things as well. So uh, I'd like to pray for you guys, if we can do that for a minute, and then um, we'll see what time we have left here. Okay. So, dear Heavenly Father, we just want to come to you tonight. Uh, thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the grace and the mercy uh, that you give us we want to thank you for your son who came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you for salvation through him. We thank you for the opportunity to live in this world that you've created. And although it's broken and it's sinful, Lord, and um, there are temptations uh, all around us, we thank you for your love and your mercy and, and, and how that's new each day. We thank you for when we fail, that we can come to you um, and, and that you uh, will forgive us if all we do is ask. And we pray, Lord, that as we go out this week, that as, as we see people, um, that our vision would, would be, um, and our, our focus would be on you, so that we view people. We don't view them as the world views them. We don't view them um, through the eyes of the world, but we view them through your eyes. Give us, give us the ability, give us the opportunities this week, Lord, um, to speak our faith, to live out our faith. Um, as James says, we thank you for this opportunity to gather tonight. We love you. Amen.